Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westmead demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. It came from outer space. Iris is wearing a hat. Try it. It came from outer space. 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 It came from outer space. 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 (laughs) Or you have to do it in the 50s newsreel voice. Yeah, do it. It came from outer space. Uh, It came from outer space. Space. (laughs) What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I, <laughs> I'm i your co-host, Wesley, and I'm here with my older brother. Iris. And today we're discussing a film from 1999, set in 1956 or 57, The Iron Giant. Available on HBO Max. And now let's go to our reporter on the scene, Hogarth. How come the Iron Giant didn't attack him when he saw the BB gun the first time? Because the Iron Giant is not a weapon. He's a weapon, but he's not a weapon. Well, is he or isn't he? He has a soul, man. Didn't you? I mean, he he has a soul first. Like a Terminator, he just later has to understand the concept of what the soul is. Wait, so the Terminator had a soul? Well, no, he's like under the truck and he's like, why do you cry? Very term. There's a lot of Terminator stuff going on in the Iron Giant. When he goes shooting off into space, you can almost see Arnie lowering himself into the molten lead or whatever that was. Well, yeah, you remember Ready Player One, right? Oh, my God. Everybody in my life is talking about Ready Player One. They're like, Ready Player One, Metaverse, Web 3, Layer 2. And I'm like, whoa. Speaking of Steven Spielberg, there's a lot of E.T. in this as well. Obvi. (laughs) E.T. Obvi. Poster (laughs) quote. Uh, Don't you think? Yeah. Certainly some Terminator, obviously, because of the robot aspect. There was no shortage of short circuit stuff. No shortage. Uh... Not quite Wally. Wally was a little bit too cute. But just this, the E.T. definitely, it's like E.T. robot. Yeah, it's like E.T. robot. And instead of little squishy organic thing, it's like huge, massive metal thing. So the uh, ever-present question, had you seen the Iron Giant? Why is this an ever-present question? I don't know. It's just when we're reviewing favorites or quote-unquote classic movies, I find that there are a lot of them that I'm. it's like the fabric of my life and you've never seen them. 
And likewise, I was convinced that I had seen the Iron Giant and found it so boring as to be unmemorable. And then I watched it and obviously things would come back. But I got, you know, most of the way through this movie and I was like, yeah, I've never seen this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. How is this? How is it possible that Iron Giant, this massive hulking movie, slipped under our radars? Well, I think it slipped under a lot of people's radars. It was a box office disappointment, crashed and burned. It was the inauspicious debut of Brad Bird, who went on to Pixar fame. Your boy, he actually did Ratatouille. Best. The best Pixar. As well as my favorite, also best, possibly better, The Incredibles. Not so much The Incredibles too. Sorry, Brad Bird. Don't forget to mention Mission Impossible. Oh, my bad. He directed one of the Mission Impossibles, Ghost Protocol. Kind of one of the more forgettable ones. In your humble opinion. Quick, what was the premise? What was the plot of Ghost Protocol? Um, Tom Cruise does some awesome stunts. <laughs> <laughs> jumps out of something i think i found out why i thought i had seen the iron giant when i didn't because when i worked at hollywood video which was about the time that this movie was being released they sent out those vhs promo tapes that you're supposed to play throughout the store that features new releases and stuff oh those aren't just like regular rental those are like special promo ones that are supposed to be displayed for sure there are but like on a semi-regular basis they would talk about now available at your Hollywood video location, the Iron Giant. And I remember clearly a scene from this movie, which suggested that I had seen it, of Hogarth and the Iron Giant in the forest. And I was like, yeah, I've seen that, but it was, it was forgettable. But nope. You hadn't seen Hi Iron Giant all the way through. What was your role at Hollywood video? I was hired and let go as assistant manager. And then you got, why did you get fired? Because I was giving my favorites free rentals. I had a free rental button that would just clear it. And I would just give people free rentals that I liked or that were like cool, you know, or that took my recommendations. And possibly I traded a couple of rentals under the table for spicy crispy chicken sandwiches. <gasps> and then that kind of got abused. And then corporate came for me because they thought that I was taking money, that I was taking cash, oh, zeroing out the movies. Yeah. And so they started talking about restitution if I wanted to keep my job. And I was like, no, thank you. I don't think that was an offer. Didn't they want to be made whole? Isn't that what you mean by restitution? Well, yeah. But if, if it were a threat or something, then they could have like filed charges. Oh. But they're like, well, you, you cannot continue here. And I was like, OK, because I'm not paying you money for free movie rentals I gave out. Wow. Uh, do you think that we had, I mean, I'm, I'd like to think I'm recovering, but do you think that we had shyster tendencies because of our shystery parents? I mean, kind of. There were, dad's definitely an opportunist and mom, I don't know, I guess does what's easiest. Unfortunately for me, I have the most morally centered, good natured fiance in all the history of the world. So I can't do any of that stuff pretty much anymore. Pretty much anymore. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, how does our shystery parents and our shyster recovery factor into the Iron Giant? I have no idea. Okay, so somehow we've gotten to this point in our lives in 2021 without having seen Brad Bird's The Iron Giant, and it is a solid-ass film. Is it now? I think so. I think it's really well-crafted. I think it's really well-written. I think the animation is beautiful. I think the voice acting is excellent. Yeah, big Vin Diesel fan, are you? Well, <laughs> I mean, Vin Diesel's not inappropriate for the Iron Giant's I not gone uh, intonations, but I thought that Jennifer Aniston was great. Like, this is one of her best performances. And um, 
<laughs> I'm not too familiar with Harry Connick Jr., but he was a great beatnik, as the FBI guy called him. Sure. Kind of a smooth voice, dude. For clarification, who did Jennifer Aniston voice? Annie Hughes, Hogarth's mom. And Hogarth was great. So Vin Diesel has reportedly 57 words in this movie. How many of those do you figure were <laughs> and <laughs> it was like the Coca-Cola polar bears? Probably half. And he actually regressed because he went from this, this multitude of words, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe where he has only three. And what are those three words? I'm Groot. That's it? Yep. That's two words. That's all Groot ever says. That's two words. I am Groot. You said I'm Groot. I am Groot. (laughs) I mean, I agree with you about the beginning of this movie. I thought it looked great. I felt like it had a sense of sweeping adventure and, and... and it's a little bit dark and kind of scary and ominous. and Yeah, we get dropped right into the crazy storm. And then the giant's reveal is really scary. And you really don't know what's, you know, like, I thought this was a friendly film. Right. And as we know, rain is really hard to do in animation. And this lives in a bizarre sweet spot that's just never going to exist again. It's like when the planets align. This is the crossover from hand-drawn animation as a standard to CG effects. And that, like, hand-drawn rain, that's laborious, man. If you can't program that into a computer. And so it looked really good. Did you know that the Iron Giant is the only and actually the first fully 3D rendered main character of a movie? No. Everyone else was standard 2D hand-drawn animation. Wow. And they employed all kinds of tricks to make the lines kind of shaky and not quite perfect to make him look more hand-drawn. Huh. But also to have him be the only fully rendered 3D character kind of makes him stand out, be apart from the citizens of Rock- Rockwell. Yeah, Rockwell, Maine. Interesting. So do you figure Norman Rockwell and the sort of idyllic 50s aesthetic or sure. is it closer to Roswell? Hmm, maybe both. This small town aesthetic is really important to the Iron Giant, where A, a a kid would be allowed to wander off into the woods, Natty Gan style, to encounter an E.T. and make friends with it, and yet still keep it concealed. That sort of word spreading through town that there's a monster in the forest. It It could be like a Bigfoot thing, but I think it also speaks very directly to the Red Dawn sort of being infiltrated, paranoia, red menace, McCarthyism of the 1950s. I mean, the communist scare was was a big deal. Nuclear proliferation was on everyone's mind. And this giant as a weapon, potentially a weapon of war, was enough to freak people out. Sputnik overhead and uh, the Russians possibly looking down on people. They had no way of knowing. Hogarth in particular, being a kind of an outdoors kid, was processing all this information, not from a politically charged perspective, but from just kind of wandering around his town and hearing rumblings and things. Yeah, he's watching the nuclear Holocaust safety videos in school. And all the kids are like, "Mm mm-hmm, like it's routine and not like the threat of a crazy disaster. So this is the underlying anxiety, undercurrent of anxiety that's running through not only this town of Rockwell, Maine, but society in general. I think it was the anxiety and paranoia, absolutely. In this case, it's ambiance and atmosphere. Do you feel like the concept and the the time that this story is set, that it actually gives it more gravity or that it's kind of something that is supposed to give this film more weight, but really is just more atmospheric and backdroppy? It is what makes the Iron Giant stand out, but I think at considerable risk. 
of alienating. For, yeah, you yeah, get it, alienate. Mm-hmm. But you want to firmly place yourself in Hogarth's shoes. But I don't think that the filmmakers, sorry Brad Bird, were really conscious of this fact based on the fact that they said it in a different era where people had paranoia and fear and mindsets and and were staggering in a post-war recovery time. And there was a lot of confusion by placing their movie in that setting and then naming the protagonist Hogarth. (laughs) Whose idea? I mean, I get the hog hug or whatever and and the ambiguity and, and this dude like being all curious and trying like being on the case. But Hogarth, who was like in the meetings? I've got it. Hogarth and Brad Bird was like, that's it. I mean, maybe it was from the book. (laughs) So we can't exactly blame the filmmakers for keeping consistent with the book if indeed its inception was with the book. My understanding not having read the book is that the movie is pretty vastly different. And uh, you would think of all the things that they would choose to change, why are they still going with Hogarth? Has that name ever been a thing? You don't have any Hogarths in your life? Nope. No Hogarths. Hogarth doesn't even have anybody in his life. Do you not think that this kid would have benefited in the movie at large from a crew if he had had like a Stand By Me group of kids or somebody? I mean, even Elliot had his sister and his brother's friends. You mean a la E.T. or a la Stranger Things? Yeah. It's just him, the lonely kid with a robot. Hogarth is a, is of Scottish origin and probably a variant of Hogard. <laughs> it's a habitational name. Deriving from the old English Hodor. <laughs> from, from a lost or unidentified place named with the dialect word Hogarth or lamb enclosure. Hogarth means lamb enclosure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> In the wizarding world, translated as Hogwarts. <laughs> Uh, you know, I just went with it. I, I didn't get stuck on the name. It's a weird name. Does it make him perhaps more memorable? I mean, this movie wa- very much wants to ingratiate itself with us. It wants to put us in a world that we're familiar with at cost to itself. I mean, Twinkies, they couldn't have come up with something slightly off brand that we would still identify. Superman, um, you know, I don't know that Sputnik <laughs> has copyright stuff, but there were a lot of properties that they undoubtedly had to spend money on to make us feel as if this world were real. And then, then they went with Hogarth. So, I mean, like, did you really get hung up on it? Or are you just making a point? I was trying to figure out the Iron Giant's place in popular culture and in my life. People love the Iron Giant. And we I went into it with a certain level of expectation. And I'm not sure that it lived up to that. But I was trying to figure out, man, this is a strange movie. It's right on the cusp of fully digital animation when we leave hand-drawn animation behind. There's a lot of branding and stuff uh, set during a very particular time in American history. And then I was trying to figure out, is it a friendship story? Is it an action-adventure kind of thing? It devolves into kind of a war thing. It has strange parallels with Iron Man. The book was actually called The Iron Man. But, you know, when you see him flying around, he looks like Iron Man. When you lose the perspective of the fact that he's a giant and he's flying through the air and fighting war machines and stuff, it seems obvious that Favreau and, and company took some of this, at least, and made it into the Robert Downey Jr. character. I mean, Iron Man has its own origins in comic books and stuff, so... And this was aware of the comic books. Yeah. 
It was aware of comic books. It wasn't aware of Marvel, per se. I mean, is it a movie for kids? Is it a movie for adults? I think this movie fell through a lot of cracks. I mean, Mansley, a character I never liked, by the way. Weren't you supposed to not like him? Well, I guess so. But at a time, he was positioned to where maybe you could like him. Maybe he was like a border, surrogate, stepfather-y kind of person who was just on the job. And then you could totally see the scene where, I've got you now, kid. And he's, you know, and then the Iron Giant steps forward to rescue Hogarth. And he looks up in wonder and, and realizes he's been wrong, which was the point of the of Harry Connick Jr.'s character. You know, like... It's true. And then you, he becomes an ally. Mm-hmm. I expected that of Mansley, but he never came around. And I Mm-mm. found his shocking red hair and shocking blue eyes to be kind of off-putting. Hmm. I didn't like him from the start. And I thought I should have at least liked him as a bad guy, as you learn to love bad guys. And then he chloroforms Hogarth. And I was like, wow, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> like, is this movie even for kids? He does chloroform him. But when Kogarth wakes up, he's like tucked in. Like, wouldn't you just throw his like limp body on top of the bed? He like tucked him in all nicely and neatly. Hogarth woke up all peacefully in his bed. He doesn't duct tape him to his desk chair. Like he sits there and watches him and then falls asleep. And, you know, in terms of the things that Mansley could have done to Hogarth, you know, it's pretty tame. And because it kind of is a kid's movie. Yeah, I mean, we weren't, I don't think we were supposed to like Kent Mansley. And it's clear that he has no redemption at the end. He's so crazed and obsessed with being right. And then that kind of translates into just like hate for this machine that's give, that's brought him so much humiliation and shame that he's like possessed to the point that he wants to, you know, annihilate it and himself. It's pretty dark. If the Iron Giant was a Dalmatian, he'd be all like spiral eyed and like like maniacally running him down with his car. Uh, he Mansley was like the Walter Peck character from Ghostbusters. He was just all annoying and like a G-man all up in the business in a way pretty dark and not just I mean, this like hyper color, awesome hand animation and this dramatic shading and stuff gave it a very deep, rich feel. But the tones of this movie were undoubtedly dark. And I think you needed to be an adult for that perspective. I mean, with the fear of communism and and nuclear annihilation and things comes the H.G. Wells War of the Worlds stuff that the giant ultimately turns into. Those snaky little warhead things that it had was totally out of War of the Worlds. Yeah. I mean, he really is a killing machine. But that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the dark undertones of this movie. The book that we talked about, the Iron Man, the Ted Hughes book, although this movie didn't adapt that book super faithfully, was kind of a Crow-style cathartic tale about an unlikely, I guess, hero. Ted Hughes's wife committed suicide and so he created this story to comfort his kids and ultimately wrote it out in book form. That wife being Sylvia Plath. That's a little bit dark, right? So let's keep it light. Brad Bird's sister apparently died by gun violence. And he was reeling from that. And the Iron Giant appealed to him because, I think, of the Ted Hughes story, his family's story. And he wanted to make a movie where, and I quote, what if a gun had a soul and didn't want to be a gun? Aww. 
So there's no doubt that the Iron Giant is a weapon of war, albeit from a completely different place. It seems like something they could have cooked up in a lab as a vehicle or a conveyance for a nuclear warhead or something, right? You get a robot that runs over and self-destructs or detonates an entire, entire town. But whatever the case, it got number fived and struck by some kind of soul lightning or something. How it ended up being sentient and having a soul, I guess. Yeah. The concept is pretty powerful. It's clear who the moral center of this film is as well. I mean, the person who seems to always have his priorities straight is the beatnik. Oh, yeah? You think he's the moral center of this movie? Yeah. I think that Dean is the moral compass, human moral compass in this film. Yeah. Is it because Hogarth is a little bit too young and impressionable to really have a stance? Hogarth and... Dean as a team, they as a team are kind of the moral center because Hogarth has has all of that innocence and lack of discrimination and judgment. He's, you know, but he also wants to have fun and like play war games and, and he, you know, he's silly and he's a kid. But really, Dean is the person who's looking out for his fellow man who's kind of mar- who's marginalized, you know? Yep. So, I mean, it's not as if Hogarth was alone. I think, to your point, Dean was really important and essential in giving an opportunity for some exposition, seeing a real adult turn in terms of perception of the Iron Giant and what its mission was or ultimately how Dean came to help. Because otherwise, it's just a kid almost getting his head blown off when he points a fake gun at the Iron Giant, who he doesn't know is an unstoppable Terminator killing machine. Yeah, no, at that point, we've seen the Iron Giant get transfixed by a gun. So, like, it was really well set up. But then when he lasers, when he laser beams the, the in the junkyard, I was like, whoa. And then when he, like, goes full weapon in the town... When he's completely possessed and turned over, I was terrified. Yeah, it was a bizarre turn. I agree. We, If we're going to categorize him as human and type with a soul or whatever, and when he became distinctly unhuman, like when his programming became unhinged and he reverted to factory programming, and it's definitely scary. How does he... Does he, like, go through Earth's atmosphere and acquire a soul? He is an alien, even though he is made of metal uh, in a human style. And so he is and had always been a sentient life form. I don't know that he was a drone robot or a Wally or a Johnny number five. He wasn't made by a mastermind or a master? No, that's just the alien race. They should make a cartoon like that. That would be kind of cool, like a cartoon about robots in disguise. Transformers are, they're aliens, but they're robots, aren't they? (laughs) Welcome to the party, pal. They're... Yes. They're sentient beings made of metal, presumably. And when they come here, my understanding is they imitate Earth forms being vehicles in particular. The Iron Giant, I think, is very important to a particular set, a particular mini generation, and kind of to nobody else. So you have mom and dad and you have Paloma and Aurelia. Are you recommending the Iron Giant to either? Yeah, I'd watch the Iron Giant with Paloma. Yeah? Yeah, I'd recommend it to mom and dad, sure. But would either of them love it and come to identify with it as a key moment? You know, I mean, they're, it's very important for a lot of people. I just don't, I don't know any of those people personally. I think that it would be relevant to mom and dad and that they would enjoy it. Uh, mom might actually find the action at the end a little bit distasteful. Paloma, by the way, wants to be Iron Man for Halloween. So I think this is right up her alley. Okay. Well, I, I think you should make that happen. I take it back. We know the sneak. 
who recommended this movie. Shout out to the sneak who actually kind of insisted Hi, upon Amy. this movie. And I warned her because when you take a beloved property of hers, like True Beverly Hills, which we covered, we haven't covered the land before time, but the Iron Giant, I was like, I said, if we try, you know, how are you going to feel if we trash this movie? And she said she still wants to hear it. But then she said it would give her more fodder to yell at us about on our hotline. <laughs> Why would you trash this movie? What's there to trash? It seems like a great stepping stone kind of movie for other movies who are moving forward in a very deliberate way. What makes the Iron Giant great? I don't know. What makes the Iron Giant great is that it works. As a self-contained hour and a half, two hour experience on a story level, on an artistic level, it works. I don't think that this suffers from the amalgamation Tomorrow War problem either. Like the Tomorrow War, it was a problem that it was an amalgamation of all these different films and experiences because the film itself didn't work. It just was kind of all over the place and cheesy and Chris Pratt keeps flying in off from off screen to save people <laughs> and super predictable in that way. And this, and I, I felt like the Iron Giant, though it might have story-wise been nothing new as a microcosm unto itself, all of the pieces work, especially for like a North American originating piece of animation. I felt like there was real artistry and craft. Kelly and I were trying to figure this out as well. These characters had a Norman Rockwell kind of feel. Uh, the Annie Hughes character, Hogarth's mom, is kind of a spitting image for Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Probably around the same time frame. What was Beauty and the Beast? 92? 90... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, weren't you moved when the Iron Giant pushes the, the dead deer and, and he's like learning a very important thing about being human. Weren't you moved when he goes stomping off into the snow flurries? Weren't you moved when he shoots off into the sky to save this entire town? Instead of shooting at the thing, he flies himself up to, to intercept. I mean, sure. Was I moved? I was kind of more watching for the coolness of the animation. I don't think I was in this movie emotionally, and I don't think it held me to be fully engaging the whole time, because to be perfectly honest, during some of the quieter moments, I was bored during their hijinks and their formation of a friendship. I was more paying attention to that curious red gleam in its eye when it spots the dead deer for the first time, and you're like, what was that? And then... Later on, we see that come to prominence when he goes all will money. But uh, I don't know. I was watching for the hooks, the things that would grab me, that would keep me sustained. And I don't know that I was emotionally propelled through the Iron Giant. Hmm. I don't know, man. I'm old and jaded. You are. The saddest part of the Iron Giant is your reaction to it. You have to acknowledge that movies, in order to earn their place, have to satisfy more than one criteria. You either emotionally identify it, and if you don't, and if you don't, you can admire the craftsmanship. And that's probably what stood out for me is the Iron Giant is meticulously made and very lovingly told. And a lot of devotion and time was put into it visually, how it looks, all of which I think it's great, with the possible exception of the incongruity of Mansley's look. Like his eyes were too blue and his hair was too red and he was a thoroughly unlikable character. And then it's got to have something to say. And I felt like it was a little bit too much too Frankenstein to earn its right as an individual. 
Please don't tell me that you're relentlessly and unnecessarily poo-pooing this to give it an all right. Well, I'm mostly pulling against you. I'm mostly playing devil's advocate to your obvious adoration of this movie and certainly to the sneaks glorification of this movie. The Iron Giant is an all right movie. It was fine. There was nothing bad about the Iron Giant. It was fine. And 20 years ago, 22 years ago, I probably would have said it was fine. I think there's a reason that I didn't... I know it's impossible to suggest that I could judge this movie not having seen it, but I think there's a reason that I haven't seen it. I think it's because it resonated with a few people who really love it and nobody else. There have been conflicting reports, but generally it seems like this movie made about half of its money back, which is a hard thing. This is a film that, if I recall correctly, was on my list for a long time. You're asking who is the Iron Giant made for? Well, I don't think it was made for like a 19, 20 year old, um, which is probably why I missed it. But I think it's been on my list and and I've known lots of people who've highly regarded it and loved it. And now I can see why. I found watching the Iron Giant a really satisfying experience and I would highly recommend it to people. And I think that you somehow you've gotten really caught up in its context and missed uh, enjoying it for what it is in a self-contained kind of way. So for that reason, I give The Iron Giant a good. And there you have it. That is our review on The Iron Giant. An all right from Wes. Although when I see you saying all right, I feel like you're like tasting something gross in your mouth. Well, look, it should be noted that when I gave it, when I sat down to watch it, I didn't know anything about it. You should watch this movie, says the sneak. Oh, okay, I will do that. So I watched it and was like, that was so curious. And so, I mean, it was fine. What was, what was the deal? And in doing my research, I found all the context and everything, which was the research probably more interesting than the movie itself. 818-835-0473. Come at me, bro. Or whatever movies at gmail.com is our email. I don't know what people have to come at you. It's like you like hedged your bet. You were like, this movie sucks, but I'm going to give it all No, right. it didn't suck. It was just a curiously misplaced, not even, I don't even know the, ver- the terminology for it. This movie was in between all the things. All right. We hope you enjoyed this review on The Iron Giant from 1999, available now on HBO Max and... We'll see you next time. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electric acid.